not start moving. Are we all right? We're all right now, Mike, and we're officially recording. Um, hello, everybody. I'm Michael Taylor, and it's my absolute pleasure to be working on this Live Better webinar. Um, I guess being in lockdown isn't where any of us expected to be or wanted to be, but it's the world that we're living in now. Um, Live Better Manchester was founded last year at a conference that we held at the Etihad Stadium that uh, Mike was a keynote speaker at. Um, I was pleased to have been involved in that as well. Um, and if any of you who have uh, signed on for this webinar who are at the conference, you'll know that the purpose of that event was to bring people together, almost to start a movement, to think about how we can invest in our own well-being, our own, have a, a positive impact onto our own workplaces as well as to inspire colleagues who might work in other places as well. Not just about our health, not just about our well-being, but also about productivity and to link good business practice with creating good, resilient, robust workplaces. Um, now I work at Manchester Metropolitan University. I'm not on the teaching side. Um, I help communicate what our university does and build our relationships with, um, with the outside world. And, you know, it's a great place to be. It's a great place to work. Um, and so it, it was just an absolute no brainer when, um, when the team from Live Better and from Sports Tours International and Bird Consultancy asked me to host this webinar from, a, from the comfort of my living room, where quite a lot of us are working at the moment. We're working from home. Now, my special guest in this webinar today is Michael Finnegan, who I'll be introducing in a moment. But say hello, Michael. Hello, guys. Afternoon, folks. Now, if, uh, if any of you have used Zoom before, and I'm sure you have during this lockdown, it's been the, the go-to platform of choice. Um, if you go onto the Q&A, you can ask a question that only I can see. So if, and if you want to keep that anonymous, then let me know. I don't have to read your name out. If you want to have a running chat with other attendees about telling everybody what a great job you think me and Michael are doing in the conversation, you can do that on the chat function alongside it. If you want to ask your question in person and collaborate in the conversation, you can ask, but I won't necessarily come to you. That'll be in the raise hand mode, which you can also see along the bottom of your screen. Um, it's my great pleasure, first of all, though, to introduce our special guest, Michael Finnegan. I've known Michael for, how long have I known you now? About 18 years? Yeah, it must be. Yeah, yeah. He's, must be. I, was, I was really flattered when he asked me to write the foreword to, to one of his many books. Um, he works with all sorts of different businesses. Many people think, oh, Michael Finnegan, the sports psychologist, because you may or may not know this, but on this very day, was it seven, eight years ago? Seven. Seven years ago. <clears throat> Michael worked with the Wigan Athletic football team when they beat Manchester City at Wembley in the FA Cup final, which is one of his many sporting triumph stories that he's got. But he actually works with businesses for the most part, don't you? I do, mate, yeah. What's the split, Michael, between businesses? Oh, it's 5% sport, Michael, tops. I mean, especially now, I've been doing it for 30, you know, nearly 30 years. So the luster's gone off it. When you first start, it's all exciting, you know, but yeah. it's a bit boring sat in a dugout of a Premier League game. Can you imagine that? It actually gets a bit boring. <laughs> um, and it doesn't pay very well, surprisingly. So, yeah. you know, when you get busier, you, you, I still do sporting things, but they have to be plum jobs now for me to want to, yeah. to bother because the CV's the best in history. So we don't need any more. Yeah, good. So you, your clippings file is stocked full of football. But your bank balance and your billings is full of, full of business clients. <laughs> Spot on. Spot Brilliant. on, yeah. So, Michael, first of all, I'll ask you the obvious question before we start the conversation. How have you and Eye to Eye been operating in this period of lockdown? And what sort of 
things are people coming to you to talk about? Well, first of all, we've, I mean, we've, we've got a young team behind us and they have adapted to this brilliantly. I have to say I was a bit of a laggard, you know, but they've dragged me through it and it's just been fantastic. So the first thing I'd say is we've been obeying it all, obviously, and supporting it and, uh, and then adapting superbly. So the innovation for us, I, I reckon we've probably done a year's worth of innovation in a, in a couple of months, you know. And that's been, that's been great. And then, and then in fairness, then, that is partly what people have been coming to us for, how to help cope. And it's interesting that what you notice is that the initial reaction is, and, and I'll, I'll probably talk about this later, but it, it's, it's such a good point. The initial reaction was, it's going to be negative. And of course, that's the thing with change, isn't it? You start thinking it's going to be negative. Guess what? You know, and people, when, you know, when we, we rally when people say, well, you know, Zoom's not as good as being face to face. You just think, please don't say that to yourself. You've got to start from a point that it's going to be positive. So we've gone back to basics, Michael, really, and just started talking an awful lot to people about saying, and you said it on this webinar already, you've got to have a positive mindset to everything because there ain't much of a choice, mate, at the moment. So yeah. they've been asking us about that. They've been asking us about leadership. They've been asking about teams, you know, and it's all been great. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been, it's been brilliant to help them and give them some really, really sound advice. Yeah. Um, now, I was told resolutely not to get political. Um, and um, I, th I think the, the organisers thought I might lapse into my, my, my inner Piers Morgan and start, <laughs> start ranting about this. Rest you. assured, people, I'm not going to do that. But I thought, as I was thinking about what we're going to talk about today, obviously yesterday we watched the Prime Minister's address to the nation. And I think a lot of people came out of that again, without being political, but I still think there's a lot of confusion about what yeah. we're meant to do, about how we're meant to react. And again, without blowing the, my own trumpet of the organization I work for, we had a two minute message first thing this morning when we turned on our, e our email from, um, from the, the vice chancellor of the university I work at, absolutely crystal clear. You are not coming back to work tomorrow. You're not expected to. And then I won't go into the detail, but then in two minutes, crystal clear what we're looking right. to do what our reaction was to some of the government stuff last week on the future of our sector and it just struck me is that's what people are absolutely craving for is clear communication that's my experience what about you and your clients michael how, how exactly the, in, in this exactly the same michael you need to be and i think and i'm going to add another dimension to it but i think clarity is absolutely vital brevity is vital and the other thing I was going to make a note of, it's like we've rehearsed this, but people are, are going to have to be transparent. In other words, I think when, when people are communicating with you in that situation, if they're not showing integrity in what they're saying, somehow it's coming across. So, you know, if, if, if people walk away from a call thinking he knows more than he's letting on, or I'm not sure I trust him, you've got a real, a real problem with it. So what you're seeing there, you're on the receiving end of some clarity. You're on the receiving end of some brevity. Two minutes sounds better than 20 minutes, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, and then I'm guessing from what you've said that there was, gen that there's, I mean, I, I just felt warm coming from you in, the, in your response then, but genuine transparency, this is, this is what it's going to be like. And that, I think that really, that really helps. And it's caught a lot of people out, Michael. That, you know, it's, that's, that's contrary to a lot of leadership styles. That's, that's where the problems are. You're asking people to lead in a different way where they felt privileged and they felt they can talk and pontificate. People don't want that. Uh, I know you and I are um, big fans of Malcolm Gladwell, who we've been to see together, speak, speaking in packed theatres. Um, his latest book is 
often about communication and how we read people incorrectly. That's why so many mistakes are made. Um, and there's loads of examples in his current book about that. Um, does this form of communication create a new set of challenges in how we communicate to one another and how possibly we've got an opportunity to communicate much better yeah. actually using these tools because we <clears throat> yeah. so, have to be so clear. I think, it, I think it does. And I'm going to come back to the point I made before. The first thing is you've got, I used to have a guy who said to me, whenever I said something, if I ever said something and it was negative, um, you know, like, oh, this journey is going to be a nightmare. He would say to me the words, if you say so. He'd say to me, if you say so. And what he was trying to say to me, and I got it eventually, you know, after a few months, I got understood what he was saying, which is set yourself up. Don't set yourself up thinking it's going to be like that. Don't set yourself up thinking it's going to be difficult. Set yourself up expecting it to be good and you'll perform better. So, so I think that's the first thing, isn't it, in terms of this communication. What I would say in a little bit of mitigation, and we found this certainly when you've got more than, you know, half a dozen people on a call, it gets a little bit difficult to see eye contact, right? So what specifically is this person, what can I see in their eyes? And it's made me realize we go an awful lot off that. But what I'm going to say again is, please don't let these things be excuses. Please don't let it. Because you're stuck with it. We're going to have it for a long time. Um, if I've read this morning, 65% of people want to be allowed to continue to work from home, then it's not going anywhere. So why on earth would you make it difficult? It is, it is a, a challenge. We understand that. We are going to have to learn some new skills about relationships and empathy and trust. But it's going to be a lot easier than we think it is, especially if we can set off on the right foot in the first place. And that is, I think, the biggest mistake people have, have made that I've seen so far, is what I'd say. So about the organizations that have, have people are working from home, that in a lot of cases in, in their, their workforces they're having yeah. to, I guess in my experience and the friends of mine that I've spoken to in the last few weeks is, you know, we've, if we sit next to certain people in the office, um, a mate of mine was telling me this story in, in, in the city in London. He said, there's always that, that guy, you sit next to him. You're never short of up-to-date information on how the test match is going. <laughs> yeah. they're the sorts of people who you know they'll operate in the way that they operate that doesn't necessarily have to be a negative it just is the way that they you know they like that information they like to be in touch with the world yeah. they like to be on social media they might be a high performer yeah absolutely so there's those people who operate in that way they just those behaviors have just moved into a very different environment and you have to use a different set of tools in order to to motivate, to lead them, inspire them in, in the, these, these sorts of environments. Yeah. And of course, there will be people who underperform and they'll be, <laughs> they'll need a, a different set of triggers and, and behavioral ticks for you to have to lead them as well. Well, my, Michael, the challenge is, I think, I, I, had, a, I had a company, the other, we were working with a client, client the other day who have, I don't know how many people, they've got 15,000 and we were, we were talking to about 250 of their leaders. We've been working with them consistently every week. And, and, and what you realize is what somebody said was, we've never been more isolated physically. And yet he said, as a leader, I've never felt more, you know, more visible and more vulnerable, more in the public eye, which is absolutely true. And, and what, it, what they were dealing with and what you've just hinted at there is when you get people who maybe aren't performing and the call ends, they're on their own, aren't they? And they're going to be on their own for what, four hours, five hours before they get any kind of mentoring. So it's testing a few things, isn't it? 
what it's testing as a leader is, have you got a relationship with your people? Do they trust you? Do they respect you? Can they turn to you for advice from guidance? Can they turn, I'm running out of fingers here. Can they turn to you because they want to show some vulnerability? So it's really testing those leadership parameters and people are founding, coming, founding, wanting there. But let me just go to the other side of that because what I'm saying is, yes, the leader has to walk towards you and be a much better leader, but, but don't absolve yourself of responsibility here. So when that phone goes down and you're underperforming and you're going to be on your own now for three hours, don't just sit there saying, when is he or she going to motivate me? More than ever, what, what I'm saying is to people is that you have to be on the hook to be your own motivator because there is nobody else there to do it. So, so what we're seeing is even more need. And listen, it's easy to talk about resilience and self-reliance. You know, those have been on the corporate agenda for two years or so, but now we're really seeing it. So now the test is on, isn't it? The chips are down. Can you be your own best friend? Can you, own, can you be the voice that you listen to in your head? Can you control what we're calling that internal dialogue? Because there's nobody else there to help you do that. And that's part of the medium and part of the fact that we're not, we're not necessarily as connected as we were. So self-reliance is coming to the fore. So we're, you know, and we're using a lot of that metaphors of like saying, you know, when you get on an aircraft, it's put your own life jacket on first. It's not run around everybody else's. So take the responsibility for doing it. And that I think is a bit that people are struggling with more than anything else. You know, it's not all about, you know, going for a walk in the garden or spending some time with the kids. Great. How's, how's your internal dialogue with yourself? How's that? Go there first and then let every, everything else spring from that. That's what people are struggling with. And does that personal relationship between the leader and those that they're looking to lead and that honesty that people need to, that you're saying that they should have in those personal relationships, that, that's obviously a two-way process. That's about everyone saying, well, do you know what? Um, I've got caring responsibilities. I've got kids they, who I've got a home school at the same time as well. If you don't make your lead, whoever's leading you aware of those circumstances in which you're expected to perform at the same level, then they can't be expected to modify their leadership style. If yeah. you don't know those things. That's a, that's a fair point, Michael. What you're saying is, here is are the leaders and the people walking towards each other. Yeah. And I think where there's a will to do that, it's honestly, it shouldn't be a problem. But Michael, what it's testing, what we're seeing is, is it's testing relationships both both ways. I don't trust you. You don't really trust me. We're going to have a problem. So it is incumbent upon the individual. We've always said this. You know, I, I ran a customer service course 30 years ago, right? And I call this customer service course, the customer comes third. Well, guess what? Nobody bought it because everybody thought the customer came first. But what I was trying to say was, if you put the customer third, then your relationships with the colleagues come second. You and a colleague have to serve a customer. So you come second. And before that comes you. So you've got to get yourself in the right frame of mind first before I pick the phone up to you in accounts and say, hey, Michael, I've got a customer. We've got a problem with their invoice. And then together we can go and sort them out. That's what I was trying to say. But it starts with me. So the positive I'm seeing out of all this is to give people that sense of self-responsibility. And I do think, Michael, what I do think is, when you see things on the news like 65% of people want to continue to work from home, I do think people will think they have more of a mandate now to front up, to say to the boss, look, I've got to take the kids between 12 and 2 or whatever, when they might have not had the bravery to do it before. So I do think now is as good a time as any to have those conversations, clear the air, get the parameters set, off you go. But don't be blaming it all on somebody else. Take responsibilities, I think, what you're, uh, what you're driving at. Spot on. Yeah, and... 
on balance, have, have the relationships in the workplaces of the clients that you've been working with, have they, have they kind of let that element of trust go and it's worked? Have they been pleasantly surprised by the fact that they've oh. got a workforce who are like putting a proper shift in working from home in yeah. these very testing, difficult circumstances? Massively. I'd yeah, say, really I, I don't even think that's a marginal call, Michael. I don't even think it's a marginal call. Massively is what we're being told. So people are being surprised, more togetherness, more forgiveness, more understanding, and definitely more productivity. I mean, how good's that? Bear in mind, this wasn't rehearsed for, it wasn't planned for, it's just happened. People are massively impressed with the way people have behaved. By, by and large, most people that we work with have got decent values, they can self-regulate, and that is coming to the fore. And I'll tell you what else has, has happened uh, that I'm seeing is, unsung heroes people who were formerly unsung you know people who didn't get much airtime people who never had the time to shine people who never got to show their true qualities about their resourcefulness you know and, and their ability to to give for the other person so, so so you see new qualities and you see new people standing to the fore and equally people fading away who haven't stood up so it's cut it's cut both ways there but yeah. I definitely think you're spot, you're spot on with that as a comment. It's been really pleasing, but it's not been close. It's been massive, massively beneficial. Now, you, I, I, again, I don't want to focus on the negative, especially with you in the room, but, um, but you did talk about some of the people that have, will have found this difficult and have found this a, a uncharted territory that have drifted yeah. away. There's still yeah. an opportunity to bring those people back into the fold, isn't there? How, how do you go about doing that? How, how do you... Rather than just concentrating on your high performers who've showed all the traits that you, you talked about, that they've risen to the challenge, all the rest of it, the shining stars. Bear in mind as well, this is a, these are workforces across the generations, for some of whom technology, not looking at anybody in particular, um, <laughs> might, might not come as easy to everybody. They might not be digital natives. Yeah. Um, so um, how do you go about that process? Because it... Because there is the temptation, of course, to think, oh, yeah, this lot, they were brilliant. They rose to the challenge. Well, maybe that's because the, the, the entry bar into this new environment is technological. And some people are more used to it than others. They might be in roles that involve using a lot of technology anyway. Yeah, but I, th I think what you're seeing, Michael, what I'm seeing is people making their best to cut, cut each other a bit more slack. Okay. And that is absolutely essential. So where it's testing you is when you don't have the relationships with, with people and, you, and you're not sure what the circumstances are, you've got to cut each other a little bit of slack. One thing I've seen a little bit more is a little bit more of leaders expressing vulnerability, you know, and being the first to say, I'm actually struggling a little bit myself. That's going to help. So anything, anything that you can build into a conversation where you're going, to, you're going to cut me a bit more slack, you're going to be a bit vulnerable, you're going to make sure that we understand you're treating us fairly and you're going to give us some time to adapt to these new ways of working is, is going to help. At the same time, and I know I've said it already, get, come, make sure that what comes across from, from you, if, you, if you're trying to build a relationship with me, is positive expectation that it's going to be fine. It's going to be, you know, we're going to be able to make it work. It isn't all going to be smooth and we'll hold your hand until you get there. So actually, again, I think it gives people a mandate to throw people a lifeline when otherwise they might have been on the way out the door. You know, they might have been at the end of the career with someone. It's just giving you a little chance to caress them back in again. And leaders with empathy and with relationship skills are going to take advantage of that 
and see if they can turn people around. It might just be a nice little excuse for getting people back in, if you can think of it like that. Now, you and I have spent a bit of time a few years ago with one of the, I suppose, leading business thinkers in the world, Kevin Roberts from, used to be with Saatchi yeah. and Saatchi. Yeah. Went to my school. People used to say, oh, was he in your class at school? I'm thinking, no, he was 15 years older than me, but I'm glad <laughs> you introduced me to him. I did, yeah. Um, but one of the things that Kevin always used to talk about was uh, there was a, for a while, there was a real obsession with work-life balance. And I think for high performers like him who operate across continents and time zones and constantly traveling, working with clients all over the world, um, he spoke about work-life integration, which is yeah. fine when you're a CEO of a, of a large corporation like Saatchi and Saatchi. Um, it's strange though, isn't it, that I found myself thinking about that theme now because it is absolutely work-life integration. I mean, it I'm is. literally in my living room on my sofa now, where usually I just watch telly. Yeah. But here I am now. <laughs> you know, this is where I... You're not watching telly now, are you? <laughs> no, I'm definitely not watching telly now. Um, but that, that's what it is. It's work-life integration. And that is the appreciation of your staff doing those things, as we've talked about. But also, you as the whole person... The, ind the individual as a whole person interacted at every level um, in every aspect of your life. The phone going off, as, as, as mine probably has done already here, from family members, from kids running into the room, interrupting you, which we've seen on, on Zoom calls and stuff. Yeah. But the, the tolerance level for all of that is totally different now than it was previously. <clears throat> so you're not expected to to dress up in a suit and tie even, um, all those things, as, as I noticed you haven't. No, I haven't. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> you don't want to see the bottom half either. <laughs> or, or my bottom half. <laughs> <laughs> They'll never um, know. They'll never know, Michael. But you know what I mean? Don't you? Work, so that concept, work-life integration, the, the yeah. whole things are, are now just so intertwined. Yeah, it is. And it's a, but it's a positive, do you not think? I mean, I, yeah, I, I think, sorry, but I hope I interrupted you there, but it's a positive because... I mean, I remember working with, we did some work last year with a Pretty Little Thing in Manchester. Yeah. And, and you know, that what, what you understood there, there was, while they were out in a nightclub at two o'clock in the morning, they would take a call from a colleague in Los Angeles where it was only eight o'clock at night or whatever. And they, and they wouldn't mind, they didn't, they didn't mind that, you know. Right. But, but what it also meant was, you know, if they wanted to go to a pub at lunchtime and have an hour and a half, they had an hour and a half. Now that for me was the ultimate, you've called it integration, I called it blend. And what yeah. I learned from these young people, these you know, young, young team members in their 20s, is they didn't mind, they didn't mind it. And part of that was because of course they loved what they were doing. So here's another leadership challenge, do your people love what they are doing? So is a phone call from you or a text from you at two in the morning, uh, you know, a, a, an, in, an interruption, or is it just part of my life? where work is part of my life. And I think it's much healthier if we can get it to that point. I, I personally love it. I mean, you know, with what I, I certainly expect my team to take a call from me on Saturday night at nine o'clock if I, if I get one. You know, we had somebody a couple of years ago win a massive golf tournament at like, I don't know what time it was, eight o'clock on a Sunday night. And one of my team sent me a text like at five past eight saying, did you see it? You know what I mean? Now that wasn't a working position. That was... A celebration that was sharing a client's success and we didn't have to apologize for it we just we just did it 
So I think if you as a leader can get your people as, as passionate and as impacted by your business as anybody else's, you've got a massive advantage and you'll get more than your 38 hours or whatever. And it won't be because you're demanding them. It will be because people see it as just a natural extension of who they are. So, but again, that's the big prize, isn't it? How many organizations can do that? Yeah. How many leaders can do that? Not, not many, in fairness. You're going to have to sharpen up with it. Yeah. So I'm going to, um, I am making a plea now for anybody who's got any questions. We've got, um, we've got about 20 minutes left on, on the call. I've, right. I've got, I've got tons of things that you and I can talk about as you, yep. as you would imagine. But um, if, if you have got any question, please uh, go along to the, the, uh, the button on your screen that says Q and a type in your question on there. If you'd like to share it with other people in the conversation, you can go onto the chat function at the side as well. Um, but um, the, the before we take any questions from anyone else who's, who's logged into this webinar, the one I wanted to, to ask you about is in, in this new economic environment, obviously um, all sorts of commercial targets, sales targets will have effectively been um, rendered um, obsolete as a result yeah. of the, yeah. of the, of the, of the economic gone. slowdown. Gone, gone off a cliff. Gone. Yeah. So people have to be therefore measured with all sorts of different metrics. Now you'll obviously have clients who have to motivate a sales force, who have to um, inspire them, point them in the right direction on, on what their metrics are for success. Yeah. How, how are they going about recalibrating that relationship with people who are motivated by hitting targets and that they're very commercial yeah. and financially motivated? Michael, it's a, great it's a great question. It must be on the lips of a lot of, of people, I think. Um, and let's be radical with some answers. First of all, if you're an organization who motivates people by money, you got a problem, right? You got a problem. And, I, and you and I have probably been on the end of a relationship where we can tell the person on the other end is not interested in you. They're interested in them and their commissions or their sales targets or whatever. So now they've got away with it in the past for whatever reason. So, 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 so now what I'm saying is like, if that's the way you do it, it's a problem. Uh, and I don't deal with people like that anyway I don't I don't know if you do but I, I certainly wouldn't want to but but what I'd say is that what it's driving people towards is uh, let's go back to the individual you know if I'm a job working in an organization and I ain't going to hit my sales targets and my pay is going to be 50% this year of what I thought it was going to be maybe it's going to make me ask a couple of things is this a company I really want to be working for or was I here just for the money and if you were here just for the money maybe you shouldn't have been here so, so, so let it, let's have a look at the vision and values and the mission and the culture of the organization. Um, and then secondly, if the answer to that is, you know what, I really like it here. It's a family. They've got my long-term future at heart. Then you just have to take a little perspective and say, do you know what? Maybe the new bonus is just kind of having a job. I mean, you know what I mean? Maybe I'm just lucky and I have to change my perspective and say, do you, you know, I mean, I'm saying to people, look, in five years time, will this have changed where you are in your life? Five years from now, I mean, my, you know, our organization isn't going to hit its sales targets for 2020. But I'll tell you what, by the time it gets to 2023, we'll have made it up. Do you know what I mean? We'll have, we'll have made it up probably in 2022 because that's the mindset we're going into it. These things, are, life isn't a straight line, is it? Have you, have you exactly got to every single destination you ever went to? I haven't. And I want people to have that mindset. Hey, do you know what? It's just a kink in the road. Get on with it. It's a big one. You're the M6 is shut. But get back on. You'll be all right. Long term, it won't have any, any, uh, any, any hardship for you. So I'm saying to organizations, check your vision and values. Make sure you're a company that people want to work for. 
And I'm saying to the employees, take some perspective. And if you can't, you're probably in the wrong job, wrong industry, wrong company, you know, because you, you might be lucky just to get out of it short term. There you are, that's what I think. No, that's brilliant, mate. We've had a, a lot of questions, uh, as we'd expect, coming, coming in from, uh, from, from members of the audience sat at home or, um, or wherever they are. In fact, they could yep. be in the park with family members. They can be now, can't they? They can oh, be no, now. Singular, a family member. Yes. Um, um, so the first one is, uh, we've sort of covered it, but the very fact that someone's asking it, maybe yeah. we didn't cover it yeah. well we haven't, bo- we haven't bottomed it, have we? Yeah, which is, what are the top tips and tools for motivating a team working from home? Where do we start if people are really struggling to self-motivate? Right, okay. I think think it's a slightly different dimension than how we covered it. We sort of assumed everything would be all right and you kind of just check in with people. So where do we start if people are really struggling to self-motivate at home? Okay, so, so guess where you start? As always, you start with yourself. Right. And your internal dialogue has to be, I'm a great leader. We're a great organization. We are going to get everybody through this. It's going to be one of the best things that ever happened to us. So don't even pick the phone up motivating anybody. If you ain't motivated, don't even go there. Right. So, so, so put your own life jacket on first. And, and the second thing you've got to remember, you've got to treat everybody as an individual. So it's going to test your relationship. So before you pick the phone up or get on Zoom or whatever it is, make sure you know who this person is. Make sure you know all about them. What are the family details? What does motivate this person? What are the hobbies and interests? What will they be doing at the moment? And I'll tell you, a lot of people won't know that. I've I've spoken to a client this morning. I know the name of his wife. I know the name of his two daughters. I know the name of what his second daughter is studying at university. You know, you've you've got to say... Do we have that connection with people, right? So get yourself in the right space of mind. Make sure you know the person you're dealing with. And what you've then got to do, if you've got a relationship that's in place and you go on to that, that Zoom call or whatever with some empathy, what you've got to do is you've got to agree a way of working with that individual. And what has it got to be, Michael? It's got to be clear, it's got to be brief, and it's got to be transparent. We started the stop of the show saying that. Yeah. So you've got, to, you've got to identify. And if you think as a boss that one size will fit all and that everybody will fit into your, around you, you're going to find yourself disappointed. You're going to have to fit around them. And you're going, to have to, you're going to have to use some stealth and you're going to have to make it warm. You're going to have to make it personal. You're going to have to make it social. And you're going to have to make it inspirational. You've got to fire me up because I'm on my own and I'm lonely and it's hard. So you've got to be real. 90%, listen, in this situation, 90% of the work is done out of sight of the employee. It's done in your preparation. Who's the person? Who's the organization? What do they need? What have I got to do to supply it? So it's going to test your leadership skills if it's new to you. Actually, if you're a leader who loves your people, you're going to love this because it enables you to have a relationship with them. A unique, special, caring relationship based on trust and empowerment and empathy and a shared vision and shared goals. So this should be manna from heaven for you. And there's no reason why people should find that difficult. Brilliant. Right. That was an anonymous question, which is all cool. That's fine. Brilliant question um, though, right? Yeah, great question. And I think, I think you can apply the same rules to another one that I've had, which says, how do I motivate my team when I know long term we may have to work remotely rather than going back to the office i think the same rules apply there as well yeah yeah um, and michael uh, just on that point stop there listen yeah. to the language listen to the language in the message we may have to work remotely no change that change that no we may 
be working remotely. Do you understand what I mean? So just the fact that somebody's pots have to means it's an imposition and it's a problem. No, no, we may be working remotely. We may be working differently. So you've yeah. got, that's your own internal dialogue. Change that first. Yeah. To be fair, it was me that said have to. <laughs> was it? All right. Well, change your yeah. dialogue then. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've got one here from Phil Jones. A really good question, as you'd expect, from the, uh, the MD of brother. Hi, Phil. Yeah. Hi, Phil. Um, do you think extroverts have found lockdown harder than introverts? I mean, that's a brilliant question. I don't know the answer, so I'm going to defer to you first. Well, I'm only, I'm, only guessing, I'm only guessing, mate, but I'm saying, I'm saying no, um, because I think, an, in, I think an, intro, an extrovert with a negative attitude will find it hard. I think an introvert with a negative attitude will find it hard. I think an extrovert with a positive attitude will find it brilliant. And I think an introvert with a positive attitude will find it brilliant. So in other words, as usual, who was it? Was it Ralph Waldo Emerson who said that life is 10% about what happens and 90% about how we respond to it? Yeah. So I think, I think extroverts and introverts will have found it hard and extroverts and introverts will have found it brilliant. So for me, it's, if it's not working out for you, don't blame anything. Don't look anywhere. Where do you look? Inside for the answer, because that's where it is always. Yeah. We've had another question as well from somebody who, who had, again, didn't want to identify themselves. But and I think this cuts to the chase a bit, really, Michael, is where does the leader turn? Because as you've said, this yeah. is uncharted territory. It's Why? tough. I guess Brilliant. I could say the answer's right in front of me. It's, it's working with people like you. Where do they go for inspiration of them, for themselves? Where do they look to? Or is this just, Brilliant question. just the case of like, you're out on the front, it's lonely at the top. If you don't like it, get off the stern of the ship. Well, here's a, que here's, here's a question. Here's a question. And I don't know if you know the answer to this, but what should a leader be spending on their own self-development? Do you know? Because there is a number. Do you know what it is? No. No. 10% of your salary. 10% of your salary should be invested by the organization in your development is what, is what people say. So if you're working in the city with a 250 grand a year job, we expect the organization to be spending 25 grand on your development. So the first thing I've noticed is, because what, what you're asking me is where does the leader turn? So what I'm saying is, hang on a minute, no, that's a really difficult thing to solve now. Where has the leader been turning for the last five years? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So don't just expect to be able to switch this on. What have you been doing to develop yourself over that period of time? And if you've been neglecting yourself, you're going to find it hard, right? So that's the first thing. So here's the lesson. Don't let that happen again. Make sure that you're investing in yourself proactively because, you know, things will occur, whether it's Brexit or a terrorist attack or whatever. So get yourself ready for it. The second thing I'd say is if you're in the, where we are now, uh, stand on the shoulders of some giants, you know? So I'll tell you what, there's an awful lot on the internet about Malcolm Gladwell. If you haven't got hold of his book, get hold of it is an example. Is it, do you get what I'm saying? So there's an awful lot of content out there that, you know, if this has been 30 years ago, you can't get to a library, you're stuffed. Listen, there's loads of leadership content out there. There's loads of inspirational concept. Get the book on Steve Jobs by Walter Isaacson. You know, get the book by, get the book by Gladwell. So there's lots of stuff out there. And then the third thing I'm saying to people is use your network. Use yeah. your network of other CEOs yeah. who are in the same position and show your vulnerability. Vulnerability for me is probably the biggest of all the leadership qualities you can have. And reach out to people and say, I'm struggling a bit. Help me. And they will. So there's three things. Get yourself yeah. some, some mentoring proactively. Stand on the shoulders of some giants and plug into your network. That's yeah, what you I, can do. I, I think this absolutely cuts to the whole essence of what Live Better is all about. 
about the kind of network that we're trying to create, the, trying to, the people that we're trying to bring together yeah. in these sorts of forums. I'm not expecting someone to put their hand up and say that they're struggling right now, but I would, but I think people should feel comfortable in those sorts of environments. Um, um, so I'm going to move on to the, the couple of final questions before, uh, before we wrap things up. Um, there's one here that says, I mean, you, you battle against negativity in all sorts of settings. You're one of the most positive people I know. You are literally one of those people that I turn to when I think, well, I'm struggling a little bit here. I'm turning into a bit of a negative terrorist in my organization, um, you know, taking on lots of negative thoughts and maybe transmitting that to people who would be, who would be frankly better off not hearing that from me. Yeah. So, you know, I, I do turn to my own network on it. But one of the difficulties, of course, that this situation's brought upon people is the um, a lot of staff have had to be furloughed. There's obviously the prospect that some organizations are going to have to have a very different size and shape yep. as a result of the circumstances which we find ourselves in now. And um, so how, how do you reassure people who actually would be dishonest to say, trust me, we're all going to be all right, when actually the truth is we might not be? Yeah. Michael, I, I, has that changed? I don't, I don't personally, right? This is my ridiculous view of the world. I don't think it's changed. Um, and what I mean by that is that all through my career, I've only ever thought I was a month away from the sack. You know, so there's that element, element of motivating yourself by fear or motivating yourself by keeping your standards high, yeah, right? Yeah. And so what I'm always trying to say is, where I've always been in my career seriously is, look, if I can play a part for you in your business as an employee, brilliant, right? Because I love it. If I can't, brilliant, right? Because what? I'll go and play a part in somebody else's business. Now, why am I doing that? Because... I'm investing in myself all the time. I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. I'm doing loads of networking. I'm teaching myself things. I'm getting a master's, whatever you're doing. So if, if my future is here, that's amazing. I'm ready. If it's not, that's amazing. I'm ready. Do you understand <laughs> what I'm saying? Yeah. People live under an illusion, Michael, of security. That's illusion. It's illusion. It's not real. There, there is no security. There isn't any. So the sooner we realize that, and the sooner we think, how do I protect against that then? I better invest in myself. I better start working on me, right? And that's, that's, the, that's the key to it. So get rid of that security blanket. It's not there. The only security is you. There's nothing else. Nobody owes us a living. Nobody owes us anything. Yeah. Only you owe you something. <laughs> now, um, you. now, someone else is asking the question, how do they make their weekly meeting better? They say, we have a group work call on a Monday morning to start the week but morale seems to dip. Now, I think in any organization in these circumstances, that's understandable. Understandable, absolutely. I, I completely get that. So they're asking a very direct and very forensic question. Is there a structure that they can give for the week yes. to start on a, top, on, on a really, really top note? Yes, absolutely. Let's go for this, right? Get inside the values of your organization. So look at the values of your organization. Pick one of the values and makes next week's meeting about that. So Monday morning's meeting next week is about, our first value on our list is pride. So next work's meeting is about pride, right? And what about this? That's all it's about. Well, what do you mean? What about the sales numbers? No, 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 no. Talking about pride next week, about pride. So come to the meeting, ready with the story about pride. And if that's you talking about your son, who's 21 this week, that'll do, right? 
If it's you talking about a Blackburn Rovers coming back from 2-0 down to win a game 3-2 in the last 15 minutes, that'll do. Come and talk about that, right? And then if I'm the leader, I'm going to come with a story. And I'm going to kind of start it off. So whether it's the first five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, or the whole meeting, I don't care. Make it inspirational. Bring something of yourself to it. Um, but, you know, I, I'm going to talk about, if I, if I was doing a meeting today, I would probably go to that film Hidden Figures that I saw last night on film four. And the moment there when that girl, Mary, walked out of her college with her certificate where her master's degree in aeronautical engineering, I would play that 15 second clip and say to my team, what's that all about? How does that girl feel? Why does it feel so good? You could run a whole meeting, Michael, off a 15 second clip off film four. Do you know what I mean? So you've got to make this, you've got to take it away from the day to day. And you've got to get it either into humor or inspiration, something that makes us feel connected to this magnificent organization. Sod the other bit. That'll, that, we can do that in an email. Inspiration. Inspire me. Yeah, storytelling. <clears throat> storytelling. Uh, listen to this. I said something the other day, right? If you're going to be a storyteller as a leader, then before you be a storyteller, you've got, you've got to be a story finder, right? So never mind people, are story, leaders are storytellers. Leaders are story finders. Then the storytellers. And then the story coaches. So I've then got to say to you, did you like my story about hidden figures? What did it make you think about? We've got to talk about it. And then, and then I've, got to, I've got to say, how are we going to use that? And then I'm going to say to you, have you got a story? And you've got to say, Mike, I've got a great story about my son. Da, 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 da. Brilliant. Now I've just found another story. I can go somewhere else and tell that now and say, my mate Michael Taylor told me a brilliant story the other day. So this is a continuous process as a leader. Got to be a story finder and a story coach and the storyteller bit just comes in the middle. It's pr profound at the moment. Absolutely essential for leaders with the, who want to lead their teams with vision and passion and empathy. Get some stories and tell them. Brilliant. Now, obviously, I love all that because obviously my background, as you know, was uh, I was a journalist for all those years and I used to love hearing business leaders' stories. One of the things that people used to say to me up until, you know, mainly through the 90s, and the early part of the uh, 2000s, around the millennium, was the trouble with this generation is they've never had it hard. Now, you think about it now. We've had the financial <laughs> crash. and We've had a global pandemic. And I, I'm, I've never been more impressed with this generation of, of people who are running businesses now. What they've had to come through, what they've had to lead from. Adversity brings out the very best in people, doesn't it? It has to. Spot on. Spot on. And actually, again, in a world where you can start a business now and have it valued at a billion dollars in a year's time, can't you? You yeah. can, can't you? So, yeah. like, what a great time. And actually, what a great time to shut that old pontificating git up who said you've never had it hard. Yeah, right. Watch us now. You know, adversity brings out the best in people, doesn't it? Necessity is the mother of invention, people say, don't they? So Brilliant. if you're in that situation, use, don't see that you're a victim. Seize it, see it as an opportunity to seize something special and show the world what you've got. You'll never have a better time for that. Absolutely. Um, we've also got um, lots of different people with different backgrounds. We've had questions from CEOs questions from managers of sales teams but we've also got a question from um from from someone on, on the call i'm a freelancer i don't have a work team to bounce off how do i stay motivated is that the same as the network is that yeah, well well that's the, the, that's the people on this call now isn't it yeah yes yeah, the people Reach on this out. call now it's, it's live better manchester it's sitting on the shoulders of giants it's being curious you know i've i've written to boris johnson this week i've written to barack obama 
you know, if, if Barack Obama said, I'd say like, can I come and have lunch with you? Well, if he says yes, how cool would that be? If he says no, it's like, I've written a letter to Barack Obama. I feel great about myself. You understand <laughs> what I'm trying to say? You've, yeah. got to, you've got to use this time Reach to out. think the unimaginable. Reach out. Yeah. Reach out. You, people who are in positions of success, you'll be amazed how often they come up trumps and they'll give you some of their time and some of their advice. So it is about yeah. network. It's about investing in yourself, standing on the shoulder of giants. There's lots on there on the internet that you can, that you can use. So just because you're a freelancer doesn't mean you're exempt at all. And Live Better Manchester will support you with all yeah. the networking as well. well There's any, lots there. Any, anyone else who feels in that sort of position, I'm, uh, I, I'll speak for myself. Um, my contact details will be fairly easy to get hold of. You can call me. You might not think I'm very motivating telling you stories about my son who's just turned 21, but I'd be more than happy to talk to anybody, even just to bounce off, share ideas with, and I'm sure the same goes for a big, generous spirit like you as well. Absolutely that's, right, mate. That's what, that's what this is all about. I've been, I've been very grateful for the support that I've received from from many of the people in this network, and I'm, uh, and I'm sure you, you, you will as well. Yeah, now, me too, mate. Live Better Manchester are going to continue to have these conversations. We're going to have one next week, which is going to be going into a little bit more detail about practical measures for working from home, one of which will probably be don't sit on a sofa with a nice soft back with your feet up <laughs> on, a, on a box, but that's the circumstances <laughs> I, have to, I have to live with. But all it remains to me to do is to, um, is to thank you, Michael, for giving up your time. I know your clients are asking a lot of you at the moment, your team are asking a lot of you, um, and we've asked a lot of you and you've given a lot of yourself this afternoon. So thanks so much for doing all of that. This webinar will be available on, as a video for anybody that didn't have the opportunity to, to take part live. You can watch it as a video, listen to me and Michael. There's lots of podcasts as well that we'll have available. And they're, all, they're all there on the livebettervirtual.co.uk that uh, the amazing Georgina Jones has set up with, uh, with, um, with Kate as well from, um, from uh, Live Better Manchester. Mike, you've been a great guest. I really enjoyed it. Pleasure, mate. A privilege always as always. Do. And I look forward to having a, a proper lunch over a katsu curry or a plate <laughs> of some tapas in a restaurant in Manchester at some point in the future. Lovely. Come on, Manchester. Great. Thank you, everybody. I hope you've enjoyed it and I look forward to speaking to you in real life sooner rather than later. Stay strong, everyone.